Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. So good to have you here with us today on episode 304. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking with Lee Hayes about working with a speaking agent. Now, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about doing everything in your speaking business yourself, but one of the ways that you can share the load in terms of all the tasks involved in the speaking career is by working with a speaking agent. And Lee is the perfect person for this conversation because she actually runs a boutique speaking agency that connects a small portfolio of great speakers with great events. And so in this episode, we actually talk about the difference between a speaking bureau and a speaking agent and how to know when it might be the right time for you to look into using them, which that part alone is really, really important. It's easy to look into a bureau or an agent too soon or before you're ready. We also talk about what she calls pull marketing versus push marketing, why one of them is a much better way to book gigs in her experience. Also, make sure you stick around for the entire conversation as near the end, she shares her three big things that all event planners want out of a speaker. Lee works with event planners all the time. Getting her insight on this was something you really don't want to miss. All right, this is a fantastic episode, so let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Lee Hayes. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, joined by Miss Lee Hayes, who is a speaking agent, and we're going to be talking about the speaking industry at large, kind of what she's seeing right now, and then also her experience as an agent. I know uh, I get a lot of people asking, "Hey, how do I find an agent?" We'll dig into the answers on that. I think Lee and I share an answer on that. Uh, and then uh, we'll also be talking about um, with all of her experience working with event planners and working with events and speakers, what are some of the, the best practices and things that she's learned along the way. So uh, Lee, thank you for joining us. First of all, why don't you give us a, a quick snapshot there of as an agent, tell us about your agency, tell us who you work with, uh, what, what is the role of a, uh, of a speaker's agent? What do you do? All right, hi Grant, thank you so much for having me. Um, so I consider myself a event integration specialist. What I do, every agency is a little bit different, right? Sure. So mine is a boutique agency. I only manage about a dozen speakers full time, although I place a lot of other people because I also support clients, right? So I see yeah. myself as, a, as an integration manager. Uh, so what happens is I mainly handle incoming leads, which I think really most agencies do. Yeah. Cold calling is, you know, brutal and crazy, but we can get into that. Um, so mainly incoming leads. Most of my speakers are fairly established that they have people coming, uh, calling them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I manage that. And, um, I, and out of that, I build relationships with clients and then while my speaker might only have one gig with a client, I try to maintain that relationship and then help that client down the road. Yeah. So a little bit of a hybrid, but really a, a boutique agency that tries to get happy customers and happy speakers 
creating success together. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like a, it's almost like a, a bit of a matchmaker in some ways uh, of kind of helping both sides of it. So what would you say would be the, the difference between a bureau and an agency? But first of all, I like the matchmaking. I feel like you know, I'm, I'm Tinder for speakers. Um, <laughs> so the difference is, so I work in some masterminds. So I work with some bureau owners. And I think once you get to the a larger bureau, um, they have a lot of reach, right? They have a lot of ad dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they work on, what do they work on? They work on the job. So mm-hmm. if somebody contacts them and they want to place somebody, they place it, they fill it. But I don't think they're terribly concerned with who they place. Um, and I don't know if they're terribly concerned with the next job, right? Because agents come and go. But um, what I have found <clears throat> some of my speakers who have worked with bureaus, the bureau is not always looking out just for them. They're looking out to fill the slot, right? They want to fill the job. And if you're the right speaker, great. And if you're not, they'll just fill it with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting where is I could see where the bureau, um, the bureau is kind of working in service of the event and a speaker is certainly part of that. And an agent is typically working in service of the, uh, of the, the speaker. And you, obviously you have to have both sides of it. You can't, I'm going to go all in on the speakers and neglect the uh, event side, or I'm going to go all in on the events and neglect the speaker. Like you have to really to be a good quote unquote matchmaker and kind of integrator between both. You got, you got to take care of both sides there. Uh, and so I'm curious, one of the things that, uh, that we, we touched on briefly before we started recording and I, I hear all the time, you know, speakers who come to us and say, uh, hey, you got an agent you can introduce me to. And I, I tell them probably similar stuff that you do. Like, you don't need an agent. Like, stop looking. And so we, we tell people all the time, like, uh, we don't catch fish for you. We teach you how to fish. You know, like, you, you, <laughs> I, I have done hundreds and hundreds of paid gigs in my life and, and a handful of them have come from a bureau or an agency. And like, if you get those, that's great. But like, mm-hmm. don't build your business to, based on that. And so part of the way you're kind of describing it reminded me, um, uh, a friend of mine here uh, in town is a bureau president. And he says that uh, bureaus don't create demand, they manage demand. And so yes. one of the things you just said was that um, the majority of what you do is you're fielding incoming leads. And so if a speaker doesn't have like, I don't, I don't have an, a bunch of incoming leads. I don't have a lot of demand that I'm trying to manage. I'm trying to get something going. Uh, that's not necessarily what an agent is for. And so if you already have some momentum there and then you're going, I, I have more demand than supply, an agent can kind of help manage and, and facilitate that. So uh, who is a good fit for an agent? When, it, when someone comes to you and, and again, 99% of speakers don't need an agent, but who's the 1% they're like, yeah, yeah actually you, you might want to pay attention to, to this. Well, so it's like you said, it's, it's speakers who have demand and need it managed. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of times people go, well, but Lee, why would they hire you? You know, if they have demand, they should handle it themselves. They don't have to pay you commission. They make more money. Sure. But in fact, most of my speakers have found out that's not the case because either my speakers don't want to handle the money part of it. It's not as a sort of, I don't know if you feel that way, it's sort of like dirty that people call and go, how much are you going to charge me? Right. It's, yeah. And, and, and so I have a number of speakers who go, I don't want to, like, I will not talk money. I don't want to talk money. Yeah. Um, so I'm, so I play a little bit of bad cop, right? I'm happy yep, yep. to talk money. And um, then also, like you said, that you get a lot of incoming, but a lot of it's garbage, right? A lot of what comes into you is not a fit, right? That, hey, Grant, will you speak? But we're only paying 5,000. You go, oh, that's not really a fit for me. 
but being a small agent, what I can do, right, is I, I love that. I love other people's garbage. So I love when I have, like you said, these speakers who they have this demand, stuff comes in, it's not a fit for them. Yeah. So then I'll go, hey, Grant, you got this, the speaking lead. You're not a fit. Do you mind if I run with it? Yeah. And then I run with it for other speakers. So the people who need me are people who need their garbage managed, right? Yeah. People who need speakers need their garbage managed. Um, and then also the people who really need agencies and bureaus who are at a higher level are those people who don't want to deal with contracts, paperwork, pre-event calls, planning travel, like, you know, all the administrative stuff. Yeah. Because I think what speakers forget, this is the number one thing speakers forget, is that speaking is a business. It's yeah. a small business. And it's not just the craft. It's all the stuff that goes with it. And I, I think every business makes that mistake, right? If you're a chef, if you're an artist, if you're a photographer, everyone wants to do the craft part yeah. of it. But no one wants to manage the business part of it. And the business part of it needs to be managed. So if you... If you're busy enough and you want somebody to manage that for you, you need an agent. And so for a speaker who's going, uh, and again, there is like this huge misconception that, you know, people assume that a, a agency or a bureau is like, uh, we have all of these gigs. We have all these events. We just don't, if only we had more speakers. Wow. Well, this would be so much simpler, but it's like, <laughs> it's the complete opposite. We have more speakers than we do events by far. Um, but there's certainly those, uh, speakers who come to you who say, we're hearing what you're saying right now. Here's the number one thing you need to do that speaking needs to be a business. It's more about than just the craft, but there's speakers who are saying, but I don't understand business or I'm not good at business or I don't like contracts or I don't like negotiating or I don't like all the details. I just want to be a speaker. What do you, what do you say to that speaker? They need a really good personal assistant. Mm -hmm. So what most pe people need, what most speakers need, what they, what they want is they want somebody to make outbound calls for them. They want someone to manage their social media. They want somebody to manage their, their, their paperwork. That's a really good personal assistant, right? Somebody who yeah. understands that, somebody who you're paying to do that. So here's the thing, people who reach out to me, and I'm sure you get this, they, they don't want to pay you. They just want you to bring leads in for them. Yeah. Because people have told me that. They're like, well, I don't want to pay a retainer or anything. I just want you to find stuff for me. And hey, when you do find it, then you get a, a small commission. It's like, yeah, but I, I need to work 40 hours a week. So, so for people who, who think an agent is someone who just looks for jobs for them, yeah. hire somebody to look for jobs for you. Right, right. right. Hire a PR specialist, hire a social media specialist, hire an administrative person. That's what you need. Yeah. And so what have you found? I'm curious in, in the nature of what you do, where a lot of it is in uh, inbound, but leads come from a variety of different sources and a variety of different places. So uh, in all the work that you have done with speakers and with events, uh, what have you found are some of the best ways for, for finding and booking gigs? Uh, for, it depends on the level. So I live in the world of associations, memberships, entrepreneurs, like that's my arena. Mm -hmm. um, so for the for the for the uh, emerging speaker, the first thing is they've got to narrow their before they try anything, right? Narrow their target market. Yeah. Because how many people do you talk to? Who I go. So what's your you know what's your topic? Oh, ethics. Really? Who's your target market? Anyone. Right. It's like right. no, 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 no. So the first thing they need to do is get it really, really narrow. Once you've really narrowed it down to insurance agents. Yep. Then you can start the outbound, right? So. My philosophy is you narrow your target market until you are the biggest fish in a really, really tiny goldfish bowl. Yeah. 
because then you are the premier expert, right? There's nobody better than you at the ethical standards of insurance agents who sell to, you know, right. What life insurance. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. So there's nobody better than you because you're the only one. Then you can start reaching out. And I think a couple like uh, strategic things, tactical things people can do is you start again in my arena, start reaching out to associations and you don't say, can I speak? Can I get on your main stage? You say, can I give you material to help you? Because I am the reigning expert on the ethical standards of insurance. Da, da, da. Do, you have a, do you have a newsletter? I'd love to give you an article. Right. Because I'm the reigning expert, right? Um, become the absolute go-to expert for them, for that really tiny market and get going that way. I've seen people be successful that right when, when they're that tight. One guy I talked to, he's, his, he said, I, I have a great speaking business. How'd you do it? He goes, I only talk to credit unions. That's yeah. it. Credit unions. He goes, and I know every credit union. But the thing is, once you've narrowed it down that tightly and you are the reigning expert, you know, so I only do micro gyms for women. Yep. yep. But then you get contacted by the yoga association that says, I know you're the expert for the micro gyms for women. Would you do a yoga studio yeah. thing? Right. And then you grow this way again. So that's, that's always my advice is that before you start throwing spaghetti at the wall, cause that's what you all do, right? I'm going to reach out to every business in the world. I'm yep. going to make a thousand phone calls a day. Instead of reaching out, become the reigning expert for one business so that they have to hire you because you're the best. You're the only one they could go to. Oh, I'm so happy you said all this. I beat this drum all the time that this is the most important part. Because in fact, if you do this, it actually makes it easier to find gigs, yeah, right? Because yes, you know exactly yes. what you're looking for versus yes. when someone says, who do you speak for? Well, my message is for people. It's for humans. Yeah. It's for everybody. Or what do you, what do you speak about? Well, what do you want me to speak about? I could, and just because yes. like, you know something about all those topics doesn't mean you want to try to be that. So one thing, uh, you know, we, we say all the time is you want to you be the steakhouse, not the buffet. You know, so if you're mm -hmm. looking for a steak, you could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred things that they offer and they're all mediocre or you could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing and they do that one thing really 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 well and so like you said uh, being like I, I help micro gems for women and that's it and you're gonna have some natural spinoff from that of other groups but by saying all I do is for micro micro gems for women it actually makes it easier to find those versus like well I do this and I kind of do that and I kind of do that and I kind of do that like it actually makes it a lot simpler. Now, the, the challenge for speakers is we feel like we're limiting ourselves, right? We feel like, but I can speak on, but Lee, I can speak on all these things and, I, and my message is for people, right? So it feels very difficult to narrow it down because it feels like we're limiting our options. So what, what do you say to that speaker? God, we are in violent agreement. I love this. <laughs> it, it's like, you know, point and counterpoint at the same point. Um, so, you know, what I say is if, if a speaker comes to me, right? Because every now and then a speaker weasels his way into my agency because I just love what they're doing. Sure. And anyone who comes to me and says, I can speak on anything. The first thing I think is they are an expert at nothing. Yeah. Because all they're doing is regurgitating other people's material. And I don't, you're nothing special then, right? So I think another important thing to get the gig is when an agency or when a, 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 an event is looking for, you know, a social media expert or something that you don't come in and go, I'm a social media expert. You come with a, a nugget of expertise, which is just a little bit different, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a social media expert. I'm the expert on why social media is a waste of time. And they'll go, what, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait a minute. So 
Yeah. So you, you, if you're an expert at everything, or if you can talk on anything, you're an expert at nothing. And right. um, why would anybody hire somebody who could, I could, I mean, I can get up and talk. Sure. Right. Right. Big deal. So there's also speakers who feel like, but again, if I'm limiting my options, there's other things I'm interested in. So one thing we tell speakers all the time is you're not making a permanent decision. You're not getting a tattoo. So if you say, okay, I'm going to focus on, you know, micro gyms for women, that doesn't mean that that's the only group you ever have to speak to forever and ever and ever. Like you can pivot. And most likely if you do a good job there, it's going to evolve into larger gyms for everybody or for fitness studios or for, you know, yoga studios or whatever, mm -hmm. but just starting something small is, is, is the way to go. And then you can, you know, pivot and expand accordingly. So I'm curious, like, as you kind of look through different speakers that you've worked with, how have you seen some of them pivot, expand to where today it's easy, it's easy to look at people who, and, and go, but they're speaking everywhere, you know, and if they can do it, why can't I do it? It's like, that's where they are today. That's not where they were when they got started. So how have you seen some speakers kind of evolve over time? And they may have started speaking to this group, but now it's, it's a bit more broad or it's maybe in a completely different space or different industry or different topic and, and help speakers understand like you're not making a permanent decision. And so you have some leeway over time, but it, you need to pick some place to get started. Right. Well, so well, I'm going to give you an example of somebody really specific in a second, but I think what you can do is if, again, the micro gym example is you say, figure out what the big thing is you want to do, yeah. right? I want to be a fitness expert for the fitness industry. Yep. Well, figure out what your big thing is, the thing you love, and then target that until you find one little tiny piece of it. Yeah. Start with a little piece and then open back up until you are the fitness expert of all fitness, right? Right, right. And so one speaker that, that I work with is Jesse Cole. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, Jesse, had Jesse Cole, on the show. He's had Jesse, right? Jesse's amazing, right? But he yep. started and, and I'm picking on, I'm choosing him because I've never seen anybody move as quickly as he has Yeah. by, by not, and that, that's not true, right? So the other, the one way to move really, really quickly, right? Is to have something so shocking and newsworthy, happy to you that you go right sure. to the top, Sure. right? So you're an airline pilot, big deal. You land a plane on the Hudson, yep. you are a $100,000 speaker the next day. Right, Done. Right, right. In the absence of landing in the Hudson, Jesse Cole is the fastest I've ever seen. And what he did was he's right. He created the persona of the, mm -hmm. the Savannah Bananas. So yep. that's a baseball team in Savannah. It is the lowest of the low. It is a summer college league and not even the top league. It's like a summer college league. Yeah. And when he bought it, it had 256 ticket holders, pretty much bankrupt, right? Done. He, he yeah. was sleeping on the air mattress. Within one season, he went to 4,000 people. Yep. And then he took this expertise and he said, you know what? I'd like to be a speaker. And he started speaking primarily to either business groups in Savannah because mm -hmm. he was a Savannah business or sports. Yep. That was it. And he was speaking for 500 bucks a pop. Yeah. mostly in Savannah. And he went from that within two years to, he is a successful keynote, getting decent money yep. speaker. Um, but he did it by starting little, right? He, he got these $500 gigs and he did one after another, very specifically to either growing your business in Savannah. Mm -hmm. And then it became how to become unique and grow your business. And then it was sort of sporting. And now it is do you know be different stand out be different discover what's different about your business and he is now a business speaker so he went from local local to all over the place mainly yeah. domestic us right but 
he speaks everywhere and his, his target market went from tiny businesses that had to stand out and be different that were mom and pop businesses to business, right? He's right. been on big stages for big business within two years. So he can be done, but yeah. he worked hard. Right. That's the thing speakers have to understand. You know that you're not going to just get on a big stage, like stop trying to get on a big stage, work hard at building a speaking business and work toward the stage and you're going to get there. Yeah. Hey friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I, I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start. Let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done-for-you websites, done-for-you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. So there is a, uh, when someone's thinking about the, the narrowing it down, there's kind of a couple of factors at play here because they're, you absolutely want to narrow it down, but there absolutely is a point where it's almost too narrow. And some of this depends on your goals. If you say, I want to speak a hundred times a year and I'm going to speak to, you know, micro gyms for women in Savannah, Georgia, there's probably not a hundred opportunities that even exist. Uh, especially if you're like, I want to make, you know, five to 10,000 a pop uh, on, uh, per gig that may just not be feasible. So how do you find the balance of, I want to narrow it down. I recognize as a speaker, I need to narrow it down. I don't want to be too narrow, but the other side of the equation is, um, just because like you narrowed it down and just because like I'm passionate about this, I'm the world's greatest expert on it doesn't mean people actually hire speakers about that. So how do you find the balance between here's what I'm interested in? Here's what I'm passionate about. Here's what I know something about. Here's what my experience is. But over here's what actually happens in the marketplace. So how do you find that, that overlap and that balance? Well, I think finding that narrow target market is not necessarily, your narrowest target market is not necessarily where your passion is. Mm -hmm. It's where you can get your first gig. Yeah. So when I said micro gems for women, uh, I'm actually, you know, an overweight. I don't go to the gym. I don't work out. However, I was able to get in there because I knew somebody or, you know, find your way to the stage, find the market yeah. that's hiring people that you can get to the stage. Um, I had somebody ask me today, she's like, I, you know, I tried boom, boom, boom. And she's giving me all these markets. She goes, what do I do? Who's hiring right now? I said, well, in my experience, insurance agencies are still hiring right now. You know, speakers, mm -hmm. uh, real estate is still hot hiring speakers. Like those are places, those are businesses where I found are still hiring. So right now I would not go after retail. Retail's hurting. I would not yeah. go after the restaurant business. Restaurant is hurting. So you've got to find, yes, yeah, someplace that's hiring and figure out how to make that your target market, not necessarily your passion, hopefully related to your passion. But yeah. like you said, it's got to be commercially 
feasible. But how do you find that right balance of, hey, there's a lot of opportunities over here. Let's say that there's a lot of opportunities with insurance, but I don't know anything about insurance. I've never been an insurance salesman. I don't have any experience there. I don't really care about insurance, even though they're speaking opportunities there. But mm -hmm. if it's something like, I don't, I don't know anything about it or, or care anything about the topic, um, you know, how do you find that balance of there's opportunities, but like, I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm necessarily qualified or even interested in talking about that. Right. I, you know, I, maybe you try a few places, you go to a few, sure. I think the, the wrong thing to do though, right. Is try everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So what, yep. maybe what you need to look at is say, okay, I really want to do a lot of speaking. I'm not sure. Then maybe you find three or four tight markets where you can start targeting really specifically. But again, I wouldn't try to just blanket. It's not just, right. you know, start, I'm going to be really active on social media. Great. You're not going to get anything that way. Right. Um, again, you got to be really specific and, um, again, Jesse found his market by, he, he is active in social media. He's active on one social media, LinkedIn, yeah. that's it. And he's active one minute a day and he's gotten followers in his market because he speak, he brings them benefits. So people have found him, right? He keeps throwing out benefits to businesses and businesses now come to him. He doesn't, he doesn't approach businesses. That's not how he found his market. They all come to him. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I have found, right, is I find that pull marketing works better than push marketing. I think it's more successful to find a market and say, I'm an expert and here's how I can help you. Yeah. And I'm going to help you through social media. I'm going to help you by sending my book. I'm going to help you by writing an article versus calling and going, are you hiring? Could you hire me? Mm-hmm. You know, um, which I call pull marketing, right? So, so saying, please hire me, please hire me, and, and rather say, I'll benefit you, I'll benefit you. But yeah, you're right. If one target market's not working, I still wouldn't blanket it. I wouldn't try everything. Try two, try three. Yeah. But keep it specific. Yeah, it, especially early on, it is a little bit of trial and error. And so that's what we we're kind yeah. of talking about. Like, I'm going to try this and then I may need to pivot and go there. And so it may take a, you know, a swing or two before you're like, okay, I've, I've got some traction. I can build on this. And then again, over time, it, you, you can start to pivot. I, I tell speakers like, um, it's, it's easier to steer a car in motion than it is to steer a car in park. And so if you, wow, good on, analogy. If you mm -hmm. sit on the sideline and you're just constantly going, but what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, and you're like, I'm never going to try like, yeah, you may, you may say, okay, I'm going to position myself as the go-to person on X and I get out in the marketplace and I'm like, I'm just not getting any traction or COVID hits or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I need to pivot and go a different direction. It's a lot easier because you're at least in motion versus right. like, I'm just sitting and, and waiting and waiting and waiting, wait, like let's get the ball rolling here and then we can, we can adjust. Uh, so let me ask you this. You, again, you kind of work on, on both sides of the equation of working mm -hmm. with events, but also working with speakers. Uh, what are some of the things that uh, events are looking for you interact with a lot of events what are some of the things where they're like you know what we just worked uh we we had a a great experience with this speaker or something what are some things that event planners are looking for that uh make it a big big win for for um that speakers do that 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 event planners are looking for um so again i'm in the uh, you know to specify i'm in the association mastermind entrepreneurial market versus corporate so corporate might be a yep. little bit different um, but what I'm finding is what event planners want is I find the big, the big three is they want to fill seats and sell tickets. Mm -hmm. um, and so any, so when they hire a speaker, people go, wow, how, you know, should I tweak my keynote a little bit? <sighs> yes. But what they're really looking for, the speaker's not that, you know, the event planner's not going, oh my God, are you going to, could you tweak it a little bit? They're going to go, do I think this person will fill seats? Do I think hiring this speaker 
will help build my audience. Yeah. Um, so I think you need to show, right, when you're, when you're going and you're, you're presenting yourself to event planners, you need to demonstrate how you fill seats because that's what they care about. Yeah. So I think you can't just go in there going, here's my great keynote. It has to be proof, uh, you know, social proof that you do a great job, testimonials that you can fill the house, you have a great social media, you have great draw, you have celebrity, you're known in the, in the niche. It's not, it's not just your performance. It's your draw. Draw is so important. Yeah. Um, and then I think the second thing that event planners are looking for is proof of skill, right? So mm -hmm. then that is your keynote. It's uh, you need video, you need proof, you need, you know, I've been on the Oprah, I've been, uh, you know, because I was so great. I've been on this stage five times because I was so great. You need social proof that you're great because then mm -hmm. that gives them confidence that they're making a good choice. Yep. Um, and then ultimately, they want to feel they did a good job. So I think supporting efforts of an event planner will get speakers jobs. Um, I know when, when I have a client and I say to that client, I know you're looking, you know, I, I just placed one speaker with you. What did you like about them? Oh, yeah. you know, I, I like this and that. Okay, here's another speaker I think you'll like. And this is, and, and you'll like their topic. You know what else they like, you'll like about them? They're delightful to work with. Yep. They're helpful. They don't mind doing a meet and greet. They would love to say for lunch. Um, and again, I'm talking more to emerging speakers. I know there are big speakers that they show up, they get on stage, they're gone, right? Because they are such a level of celebrity that they sure. don't need to be helpful. But I think for emerging speakers, the ones who do want to do 100 gigs a year, you have to understand that getting on stage and speaking is not everything the event planner is looking for. They're looking for a successful event. They're looking for, for um, the audience to go, wow, this, they were great. Not on, only on stage, yep. but because they took a picture with me and they autographed my book and they answered my question. Yep. Oh my God, they were great. So I think helping, telling an event planner that you are going to make them successful, not only that you're going to speak, is a big selling point. How much of a... So after an event, um, and I love that you just touched on this, that after an event, uh, a, an event planner comes back to you and says, uh, uh, Jesse was amazing, or Jesse or whoever, all right? right? This was the best experience we've ever had. How much of it is because of what they did on stage and how much of it is who they were off stage? Wow. Um, definitely both. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest... So interesting. So I, I was, um, this was, well, I'm not gonna say the client's name just in case because I still work with them, but there was a client and they had Jesse and they had another speaker at a particular event. Yeah. And, uh, the other speaker was the primary keynote and mm -hmm. Jesse was the after lunch reopener. Yep. And they said, we love Jesse. We're rehiring him. And they immediately hired him for two more gigs. So I said, thank you. You know why? And it was because he connected with their audience. That was the number one thing. Yeah. He used the language of the clients. And that's something he does that's so many speakers, again, that they miss, even really high-end speakers, is that connecting with the audience is one of the most important things that will come back to either bite them or not bite them. If yeah. they don't connect, they get bad reviews, so they don't get rehired. If they do connect, it's wonderful. Yep. And so I think that's one of the keys is on the stage is not just performing, but connecting. And I think what I, what I say that takes is what I call a 2% pivot, which means don't rewrite your keynote, yeah. 
but just use those few terms that the audience relates to. For example, if you're talking to Disney, right, Disney people, if you say, well, let's, hey, Disney employees, they're all going to go, you have no idea what I'm talking about. We're cast members. We're not employees. So it's just those little things. So connecting on the, on the, with the audience is huge on stage, but then like you said, off stage is enormous if, and that's still connecting, right? So it's coming off the stage and shaking people's hands in being interested. It's so great to meet you. Really got a business too. That's great. Having lunch, doing a photo op. Um, You know, like I work with Mike Michalowicz, as you know, and I love watching him at women's events because all these women come over to him and they want to hug him and they want to take pictures (laughs) and he, he does it right. He stands there and he takes pictures and he smiles and he signs and, and people love him. And it's not, it's like you said, it's so important to have both of those aspects, but both of them are connecting with the audience. Uh, let's wrap up with this. Uh, given all that's happened in the speaking industry over the past several months here, this has been something unlike, you know, obviously we've ever seen for any industry, but uh, certainly the speaking industry yeah. requires people to be together. So uh, how do you feel like this is going to change things on the other side? What is, what is uh, the speaking industry 2.0 look like on the other side of this? But then also I'd be curious now that a lot of speakers are, are, are pivoting and doing either some or a bunch of virtual gigs, uh, how do you see virtual fitting into that? Is just this just a passing bad or is this virtual going to take up some, some real market share here? I think virtual is going to take up some real market share. However, I think people are dying to be in the same room with each other again. Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, the event planners that I talk to are still trying to get that live thing going. They might've pushed it off a year, but they're not going, wow, let's go virtual this year. Great idea. You know, what? we're going to cancel our future live. We're just going right. to go virtual for now. No one has said that to me. No one has said we've given up on live. I think live is coming back. People want to be in the same room. Yep. Um, but for, for the short term, short term meaning six months, a year, two years, I don't know, yep. until we're back live again, speakers need to understand that you can't just say you're a virtual speaker and just do it. It's a yeah, different yeah. skill set. So I think they need to learn if they've only done the big stage, they're not necessarily good on a small screen and they need to understand, you know, have some coaching, take a lesson, watch, see what works, but big stage and small stage are not the same. Yeah. Are you having some uh, events that are inquiring specifically, not, not from the standpoint of, um, Hey, we're looking for a a physical thing, but can we, uh, have you considered a virtual thing? Are they, are they coming to you saying, Hey, we have, you know, we've historically hired speakers for physical. Now we are specifically planning a virtual gig or we're, we're pivoting to a virtual thing. Are they coming to you asking specifically for virtual speaking opportunities? Yes. So, so two things that I've had is one is I have, Uh, events that we're going to do live and are now coming virtual or companies that are just taking advantage, like they're figuring it out. They're figuring it out that they need to give content to businesses. And I I haven't necessarily done a live thing with them, but they're coming saying, I know you work with a lot of speakers because I have my stable of 12, but I also have reach where I have people that I've placed that I keep in touch with, you know? So I have, I've been supplying companies who are doing the virtual thing, like virtual series that want one speaker after another. So that's definitely happening. But a tip to speakers how to get gigs right now, um, which is something I haven't done before, but I'm doing it now with a way more success than I ever thought I would. And that is reaching out to all my previous clients mm-hmm. and saying, I know you're, you know, you usually do live, usually do it around this, this time of year is when you would start planning. 
I'm sure it's not going to work for you. What can we do virtually? Yeah. You know, like I, I know you've had my speaker in the past. You don't necessarily, you wouldn't want them live because you just had them last year, but I'm here for you. I know you're pivoting. I, I work in a virtual arena. I have a lot of speakers there or that same speaker. Cause you know, like trust him. Yep. Yep. You yep. could do virtual for you getting tremendous response. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Lee, thank you so much for the time. Really enjoy the conversation. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can we go? Uh, path to the main stage.com. Awesome. Um, and as, as of today, it's, it's under construction, so they're not going to see a lot right now, but uh, it will be back and happy and live again shortly. Sounds good. Lee, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Grant. Take care. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.